0: Hey, that's an awesome video. <laughs> good morning, good morning, welcome to All People's Church. I want to welcome you again, my name's Kendall, and I'm the executive pastor here over our ministries. I get to share it to you today from the book of Revelation from the Word of God, are you excited this morning? Excited to hear from God? Awesome, let me pray for us as we start our time. Father, we just start this time of opening up your Word just with great faith in our hearts. Great faith, God, that every person here will leave with a word from you. Every person here will leave encouraged and it builds up. You have something for everyone. And I do pray that, God, that every person here today would get what they need from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're going to hop into the series. This morning, I want to start with a quick story. It's going to tell you a little bit about just kind of tee us up. It's a story from my life. So I was, I was raised in Dallas, Texas. And when you're raised in Dallas, when you go out to eat, you typically go to Mexican food. Any Mexican food fans out there? Right. So we're talking about Revelation, and I'm sure there'll be Mexican food in heaven, by the way. It's, we're looking forward to it. But anyway, so there we were. We were at a new place, and I was about eight or nine years old, out with my family. We got seated at the patio of this restaurant. It was a standard place, it was busy. And my parents mentioned to me when we sat down that the owner of the restaurant was at the table next to us. So we were at a patio and the table next to us, the owner was sitting with his family. And this owner, he was kind of a local celebrity. And he was also a part owner in the local ball club, the Texas Rangers, who were never any good. But anyway, he was part of one one of their owners. Go Padres. And uh, so as we were sitting there, we were talking. My parents were kind of joking with me. And they were always encouraging me to be more outgoing in life. And so they said, why don't you go up to him and ask him for his autograph? But I thought that would be great. So I loved autographs. I loved baseball. And so I went to the table next to us and approached the man, and he was just very down to earth. Very nice guy, thick country accent, cowboy boots, the whole Texas deal. And it, it was, wasn't a big deal at all. We had a nice exchange, and he signed the autograph, and you know, we went back to our dinners. And I never thought much of the interaction, but over the years, for whatever reason, I kept that card. I kept the business card that he signed, and I'd find it in my desk. You know, and put it in a special box, and it would just be there kind of in the midst of my stuff from growing up. Well, the interesting part of the story is about this man that owned the restaurant. The restaurant actually failed, by the way. But he went on and moved on from professional sports and actually went into politics, interestingly enough. And eventually, he became the governor of the state of Texas. And then, yes, uh, he eventually went to the White House. His name, he signed the card that day, George W. Bush. And so, pretty interesting, right, that, you know, as a young child, you never know who you're talking to, but I just didn't see it at all, just the down-to-earth guy. And, but I met, just for this brief moment, the person that was going to be the leader of the free world one day. It's pretty, pretty amazing to think about, and I've always thought, if only I could have seen who he really was, right? If only I would known in that moment I could have made my speech for whatever I was passionate about, <laughs> done some lobbying, if only I'd seen who he really was. Maybe the same thing's happened to you. You've been out in, in society, and you've met a famous person, and maybe it, it hasn't met your expectations, or it's been different than what you thought. I remember uh, being in the airport overseas, and uh, the guy in front of me in line started to look familiar, and I tapped him on the shoulder. He turned around. It was Kevin from that show Shark Tank. You guys know that show, Mr. Wonderful? So anyway, I met him, and you know it was nice, but it wasn't anything particularly amazing. Uh, you know sometimes we meet people and our, and our expectations can be different. The interesting thing about Jesus is that he really defied a lot of people's expectations. Sometimes it, he almost said it intentionally, it seemed like, defying people's expectations. You know, most people, when they met Jesus, they had no idea that they were interacting with the Messiah, the one who was, the one who is, the one who is to come, the, the king of the whole world universe and and there was just some different ways that Jesus defied people's expectations. Here's one example. He was the king of the whole world, but when the people tried to make him king, he walked away. It's interesting. He was the king of the whole world, but he wasn't born of noble birth. Right? He was born to an unmarried and engaged woman. He was born in a barn. <laughs> Uh, he was born in a do-nothing town, Nazareth. You know, he wasn't of noble birth. Isaiah says, there was nothing in his appearance that was unique or notable. It's interesting that Jesus sometime defied people's expectations. And, and also, one interesting fact is he went around using this phrase about himself, this phrase, son of man. Son of man. It's an interesting phrase. It's found in a lot of places in the Bible. And In the Gospel of Matthew, it's found 28 times, son of man. Jesus would refer to himself in this way. In the Gospel of Luke, 26 times, son of man. But what does it mean? Maybe not much to you or me, but it was full of meaning to the Jewish people of the time in Israel, this phrase, son of man. And we're going to start our series on the book of Revelation today, the revelation of Jesus. But as we do that, I want to go back into the origin story of this phrase, son of man, because it gives us a preview It gives us a a preview of the Jesus that we see in Revelation. It gives us a preview in the Old Testament. The phrase actually comes from the prophet Daniel in the Old Testament. Daniel chapter seven, verse 13 and 14. This is Daniel's vision of the son of man. Daniel was one prone to dreams and visions and he had this vision of Jesus and recorded it in the Old Testament. We can look here. This is Daniel writing. In my vision at night I looked and there before me was one like a son of man. Coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshiped him. Sounds like someone we know, right? His name's up here. Okay. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. The Son of Man. This was the Jewish phrase for the Messiah, the savior of the world, the king of the world, the one from heaven. And, and yet to a lot of people, Jesus didn't look like that. We, we know at times his disciples wondered you know, how he was gonna reveal himself. At sometimes they were just going into town together, running errands, getting water, getting donkeys. Other times they were seeing him in all of his glory, like on the Mount of Transfiguration. And I wonder how many times his disciples asked this question. When will people see Jesus as he truly is? When will people see Jesus as the Son of Man? When, when will everybody else get to see the amazing king of the world that he is? Well, this morning, as we begin our series of the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus, I want to start with this one verse, and we're going to kind of break down this verse today as we, as we go through this chapter, but, but this is John's vision of the Son of Man. So just as Daniel and the Old Testament had a vision of this one we call the Son of Man, the Messiah, John has a similar vision in Revelation 1. Let's look here, starting in verse 12. It says, John, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. This is this vision, this heavenly vision. And among the lampstands was someone like a Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet. And with a golden sash around his chest. John has this similar vision of the son of man, of Jesus, the king of the whole world. And there's three actions, three ways that John responds to this revelation of Jesus. We're going to talk about these today as we explore the revelation of Jesus in chapter one. The first one is here. John hears the voice of Jesus. The next thing he does is he turns. He turns towards Jesus. The voice of jesus we always pass out bibles so our ushers will wave them and you can just wave back if you want one you can just wave at each other so um, the, the voice of jesus and then finally he sees he sees jesus as king here he hears the voice of jesus he turns to jesus and he sees jesus i turned around to see the voice that's what john wrote here as we hop into here turn and see i want to give you a little bible background to the book of revelation it's a pretty important book it's been a lot of opinions on the book of revelation and one thing i love about many books of the bible is they start with an introduction many books of the bible will start with a brief introduction by the author they'll say hey this is when i wrote this this is who it was for this is the purpose of the writing and revelation is no exception to that we get a great preview to why and how the book of revelation was written in revelation chapter one verse 1. We're going to read it here in the English Standard Version. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. This is the introduction, the prologue to the book of Revelation. The revelation of Jesus Christ. It's a good word. Which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John. This book tells us three things as we introduce this series on the book of Revelation. It tells us the subject of the book, why the book was written and how it was written. First of all, the subject of the book, the verse starts here, the revelation of Jesus Christ. The subject of the book is Jesus Christ, amen? So the subject of the book of Revelation is not the Antichrist. The subject of the book of Revelation is not the devil, it's not a big world government or some of the different things that you've heard, the subject of the book of Revelation is Jesus. Jesus is the beginning. Jesus is the end. He's the one we're after. He's the primary character. He's the primary actor. The book is about Jesus and his plans. And the book of Revelation is meant to point us towards Jesus. That's why this book exists. It's meant to point us towards Jesus. Think about the early church for a minute. The seven churches in Asia Minor that this book was written to from the apostle john they hadn't seen jesus for years they'd heard of his ministry he died as crucified buried rose again ascended into heaven but had been maybe 40 50 years and then the book of revelation was written they were longing for another revelation of jesus they needed it they needed the hope that a revelation of jesus brings because they lived under persecution It was important for them in the early church. But the revelation of Jesus is also important for us today. Amen? We have to know who Jesus is. Because when we see who Jesus is, everything else makes sense. As we we journey through this book as a church, I just want to encourage you. Spend some time reading the incredible depictions of Jesus in the book of Revelation. Maybe put them on an audio Bible or just get a reading plan and go through it. But here's a few that just stick out to me Revelation one, Jesus is the Son of Man, as we're looking at today. Revelation two and three, Jesus having authority over the church. Revelation chapter four, Jesus on the throne, the King of the whole world. Revelation chapter five, Jesus as the slain Lamb, the only one who is worthy. Revelation chapter seven, Jesus as the desire of the nations. Revelation chapter 19, Jesus on his white horse coming to rule and reign victoriously and defeat, amen, defeat Defeat the devil. Revelation 21, Jesus the bridegroom. Revelation 22, Jesus as the light whose light is so bright that the city he's in doesn't need any other lights. That's who Jesus is, the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's the subject. Why was the book written? It says this which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. This next portion tells us why the book was written. It shows us what Jesus is doing. You know, when we introduce this topic, the, the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus, I'm sure as as I would be as well, you'd probably had a lot of questions about what are we gonna talk about? And maybe you've heard some different teachings out there on the book of Revelation, right? Maybe you've seen these big charts that people do kind of decoding the end times or trying to understand different symbols in the book of Revelation, or maybe you've heard some programs here or there that talk about this book. I I just wanna set your expectations right as we move into this series. There are as many opinions on the book of Revelation as there are churches. (laughs) And people have been looking at it for like 2,000 years. So we're probably not gonna decode the whole thing in the next six weeks. (laughs) Actually, we have a much more holistic aim. We have a much more holistic goal. We're wanting to see Jesus for who he truly is. Amen? Here's the thing about Jesus. When you know who he is, that's when you can understand what he's doing. So we want to see Jesus who he truly is so we can understand what he's doing on the earth. And Robert said many times to our staff this week, we're we're great commissioned Christians. We're people that are wanting to advance the kingdom and reach people for Jesus. And so that will be the inspiration for this book of knowing Jesus and making him known on the earth. Amen? Yeah, ultimately anyway, the final purpose of the end times is Jesus coming back, right? It's all about Jesus. Thank you. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John. I like this part. He made it known by sitting his angel to the servant, John. I just think this is absolutely amazing. The apostle John, you know, the last of Jesus's living 12 disciples. He was the last one alive. Everyone else had been martyred, executed for their faith. They had gone on missionary journeys and been killed here and there all around the, the world, Roman world at the time. And John was the last living disciple you know church history even shares that he would they tried to kill him but god supernaturally protected him and so they sent him to this island just to isolate him this island called patmos this prison island think of alcatraz but worse that's what patmos was like and there's john all alone all his friends are dead no contact with the outside world maybe a few letters and then an angel appears to him then he has the vision of jesus he receives the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes it's after our longest periods of silence that we hear God the clearest. And I think that's something God was doing with John. The revelation of Jesus Christ, he made it known by sending his angel to his servant. John, there's so many amazing truths about the book of Revelation. I just want to point out a few, I want to inspire you to get in the book a little bit during this series. First of all, The book of Revelation quotes other books of the Bible more than any other book of the Bible. So if you wanna be a good Bible student, which book should you read? You should read the book of Revelation and many other books. The book of Revelation is the only book of the Bible that promises a special blessing to those that read it. Revelation chapter one, verse three. So if you wanna be blessed, you should read the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is exciting. I can remember as a young boy, I really wasn't much of a Bible student, but I always turned to the back of the book. I would turn to the back of every book. That's just kind of how I am. But I would turn to the back of the book and I would look at the book of Revelation. Because think about it, if you like Star Wars, this is like the greatest star battles that ever existed, right, Jesus fighting the devil over the earth. Then you have, if you like Lord of the Rings, there's these great epic battles on the earth, these monsters coming out of the sea. Jesus with his armies overfeeding death and the devil, right, defeating them. So if you like battles or you like fantasy, this is a great book for you, it's exciting. If you like weddings, got a few fans of weddings out there, had a lot of weddings at the church recently, it ends with a wedding, okay? So you romance people, this is the book for you. It provides us a glimpse into eternity. Who doesn't want to see eternity, see what it will be like? But ultimately, the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's why we're getting into it. and That'll be our subject and our aim as we go through this series. Are you ready to jump into Revelation one this morning as we we talk about the revelation of Jesus Christ? Here, turn and see. Let's look at how Jesus is revealed in this chapter of the book of Revelation and what that means for us today. We'll start reading in verse nine together and I'll go with you on the screen right here. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. So again, John, he suffered for his faith. He's been imprisoned on the Isle of Patmos and he's saying that here. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Let's keep going. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest the hair on his head was white as wool as white as snow and his eyes were like a blazing fire that's my favorite part his feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters In his right hand, he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all of its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at, at his feet as though dead. Good word, John. And then he placed his right hand on me, and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last, the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever and I hold the keys to death and Hades. Write therefore what you have seen, what is now and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. We'll be hearing about the seven churches next week as Robert speaks, but for now we're gonna focus on this vision of Jesus as the son of man. Let me read verse 12 again. Maybe you can put it back up there. Verse 12 says this, then I turned around to see the voice. I turned around to see the voice. There are three ways I've gone over that John responds to Jesus in this message, in this passage. And these three ways reveal something specific about Jesus for us today. The first thing is John hears a voice, Here, He hears Jesus. I love verse 10. It says this. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. Like a trumpet. I love trumpets. I grew up around trumpets. Anybody out there play the trumpet? Just give me a wave. I'm not going to yell at you. Awesome. Right there. Right in the middle. A few trumpet players. So, in the back. We have a lot of people that play the trumpet. I love trumpets. I grew up around trumpets. My grandfather, he was a professional jazz musician, and he played the trumpet. So we were always going around watching him play at this or that place. And his main gig was he played the national anthem for Dallas Cowboy Games. So before the game, he would walk out on the field, and he was the solo trumpeter that would play the national anthem. And, you know, that was something he was celebrated for and kind of known around town for doing. And so oftentimes, when we would be out and watching him play, people would request that he would play the national anthem. It was so interesting during those moments to see the effect that the trumpet had upon people. It would quiet the crowd. People would stand at attention. The voice of a trumpet is heard. You know, trumpets have a distinct quality, don't they? They're clear, they're crisp, they're high, they're hopeful. To trumpet something means to proclaim it boldly or loudly. His voice is like a trumpet. Here, in this hearing of Jesus, here's what John is seeing. He's seeing Jesus as the prophet. He's seeing Jesus as a prophet, as the one who speaks. Jesus reveals himself as a prophet to the church and to John, because prophets were the the guardians and the messengers of truth. They backed up that truth with judgment and power. And Jesus wants to know that he will speak clearly like a trumpet, it's distinct, it's heard, and he will speak powerfully into our lives in dark times. Amen? Yeah, his voice is like a trumpet there in verse 10. In verse 15, his voice is described as the voice of many waters. I don't know if you've ever been to Niagara Falls or maybe you've just been to the beach here in San Diego and just heard the roar of the ocean. You've not been able to hear much outside of that. There's such a power in the voice of many waters. Verse 16, from his mouth comes a double-edged sword. This is the voice of one that's powerful. This is the voice of one that calls men and women to attention. This is the guardian of truth. This is the Jesus of revelation, the prophet who speaks to us, who intimately directs our lives and who speaks correction and truth and encouragement to his church. Quick story from my life. This is how I encountered Jesus the first time. I heard his voice. You know, I was raised in a church, but kind of went my own way and uh, got lost in philosophy and partying and drugs and all kinds of things. And I'll never forget being 17 years old and being in a friend's house. And we were, we were partying, and um, as I sometimes do at parties, I spilled something all over myself. It just can be a little funny like that sometimes. And my friends that know me well, and I was embarrassed. And so I went to the bathroom just to kind of like clean myself up and get a hold of myself. And I looked in the mirror, and, you know, just we were doing drugs at this party, and I was just very far from God at the time. And I looked in the mirror, and something just broke in me. And I just began to be disgusted with myself, despairing for my life. And it was in that moment that I heard a voice. Heard a voice. Didn't hear it with my ears, but I heard it with my heart. I heard the trumpet voice of Jesus. And he spoke to my heart. He said, Kendall, this isn't the life I have for you. Everything was different. I mean, yeah, it took me a while to journey out of some of the things I was in, but there was an immediate heart change when I heard his voice because the voice of a trumpet is heard. Amen? So here's my question for you. Have you heard the trumpet call of Jesus in your life recently? Like how it says in the book of Amos, it says, listen, listen to the roar of his voice. Have you taken time to just listen to the roar of his voice in your life? I've always found that whenever I get time, God time to speak to me, he'll fill it in some way. He'll give me some kind of peace in my heart or he'll speak something specific or some direction or some encouragement. I just want to encourage you during this season, as we look at the revelation of Jesus, give him time to trumpet his voice back into your life. We desperately need his voice. We love his voice. Amen. This is the revelation of Jesus the prophet. Yeah. Hear, turn, see. Then I turned to see a voice. I love John's response to the prophetic voice of Jesus. You know, whenever God speaks to us, it requires a response. And John... Responded. I love his response. It says he turned, or he turned around, in, in one translation. But he turned to see, and that word turned is interesting to me. As I was studying this passage this week, I just felt led to kind of look up that word, and something was sticking out to me about it. I think the Holy Spirit was leading me, and I and I found this that that word turn. It doesn't just mean to turn physically, but it also means to turn spiritually. It means to turn to worship, to return to love. The Greek word epistrefo to return. To obedience, It's used oftentimes with the word repent, to turn one's life back to God. This is a spiritual turning. Jesus is revealing himself in a particular way to John this time. We hear him as the prophet, but we turn to him, and he receives us as the priest. Jesus receives us as the high priest. There's so many things here in this passage of Revelation 1 that point to Jesus being the priest, Of our lives. I mentioned earlier, the book of Revelation quotes other books of the Bible and refers to the symbolism of many other books of the Bible. And here there's no exception. Jesus is being depicted in this vision to John as a priest. I just want to read verse 13 again. It says this, and in the midst of the lampstands, this lampstands, this was a picture of temple worship that was going on at the time in Israel. So Jesus is being depicted as one that leads worship at the temple as a priest. One like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and a golden sash around his chest. This was the clothing that the Old Testament priest would wear as described as Exodus and Leviticus. He's being depicted as the high priest. You know, priests do many things. Priests are mediators, They're mediators between God and man. Well, Jesus is our mediator. Amen? He's the way we get to the Father. John 14 says, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is our mediator. Priests, they take our confession. You know, Jesus has heard our confession. He knows what to do with our sin. Priests, they atone for our sin. They make sacrifices for sin. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus was the atonement for our sin. Jesus is our high priest. Last week, I hope you had an awesome Easter Sunday. It was just so wonderful here at the church. And Robert already thanked everyone that served. Thank you again. I loved especially the testimonies that were part of the part of the sermon. And one testimony stuck out to me. It was Kelly Cooter's story of walking away from God at a young age and using drugs for 25 years and being involved in that world and just the darkness and the unforgiveness and the despair that was in her heart. But the thing I love about Kelly's story is she met Jesus as the high priest. And I love this line that she said. Someone was sharing the gospel with her. They were telling her the good news of Jesus. They were telling her, Jesus can can deal with your sin. He can take your unforgiveness. He can take the, the feelings you feel because of abuse and drug use and all this stuff. And this is what she said to that person. She said it in the video last week. She said, I can get rid of this You can get rid of it. You can bring it to Jesus, the high priest. I just want to tell you, he knows what to do with your sin. He knows what to do with your past. And the Bible says he will put everything under his feet. He knows what to do with it. He is the high priest. And here's my prayer for you as we go through this book. The book of Revelation has been used all throughout the centuries to call the church to repentance. And, And I don't use that word in a heavy way. I use that word in a joyful way of us turning back to God and saying, God, make me more like you. The pure in heart will see you. God, I want to see you as much as I can. The sight of heaven. There's just going to be times, I think, during this series where God may be highlighting something in your life. He's wanting you to turn back to him and receive him as priest and give him that area. And I'm believing that for us as a church during this season. Hear, turn, and see. Well, here's my last point. John hears. He hears Jesus is the prophet. He he turns to Jesus as the priest, Jesus accepts him, and then he sees. He sees Jesus as a king, well, the king, the king of the whole world. He sees Jesus as a king. We've already described Jesus as the son of man, right, the fascinating king who will heal and rectify the whole world. But this would have been so, so important for the recipients of this letter at the time of its writing. The seven churches throughout Asia Minor, they were living under persecution. As I described earlier, all of the other disciples had been killed. John was the only one that was left. Many times in, in the chapters of the book of Revelation after this, people they're warned of different troubles or persecution that's coming. It was a time of great despair for the believers. They were on the run. And how much hope would it have brought them to know that a king was coming to make it all right? Amen? There was one that was a king of kings and a lord of lords, and he ruled over all earthly governments. Titus two thirteen points to this. This is another verse from the New Testament. It says, we wait for the blessed hope The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I just want to tell you, when the King appears, it's a blessed hope. And this series, this book of Revelation, it should produce hope in your heart. This is a book that's been used for so many people. Sometimes it creates fear or just different responses in us. I want to tell you, we can be hopeful because the King is returning. Amen? All right. It's a blessed hope. And and you know, for Christians throughout church history, I was meeting with one of our theological mentors, just going over the book of Revelation as we were starting this series last week, and he mentioned to me an interesting fact that this book has been most precious throughout the years to one group of Christians, those that were persecuted and were dying for their faith. Why? Because they're understanding that the king is coming. He's making all things right and he is giving them hope. Totally different note. Any Lord of the Rings fans out there? <laughs> so I've been reading the Lord of the Rings. I've already seen the movie, so now I'm reading it because, you know, they're over. And here's this quote that I, I was so glad I was reading it, actually, because I found this powerful quote this week about the return of a king. It says this, The hands of the king are the hands of a healer, and so shall the rightful king be known. The hands of the king are the hands of a healer, and so shall the rightful king be known. You know, there's many people that want to lead. There's many plans. There's many summits and strategies for how this or that thing will happen on the earth, but there's only one king who has the hands of a healer. There's only one king that can heal the land, that can heal our nation, that can heal our hearts, and his name is Jesus, amen? We want to see him as king. I love John's response to seeing Jesus as king. That's in verse seven. says this. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. <laughs> you know, seeing Jesus as king should produce great fascination in our hearts. Just hope as we go through this series that God is increasing your fascination in who Jesus is. I love Jesus' response to John. It says, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys to death and Hades. I lose my keys a lot. (sighs) They're always on the side of the house where my children are sleeping somehow, and I'm like tiptoeing, trying not to wake them up. I'll tell you something. Jesus has the keys. Amen. He has the keys of the kingdom. He has the keys of death. He has the keys of Hades. He is the one that is absolutely in charge, and he will come once and for all and set it all right. Amen? Yeah. Here, turn, and see, I think of a story of just doing ministry a few years ago where someone really saw Jesus as king. We were in Mexico on the street doing one of our outreaches like we do, we did last month. And as we're on the street, you know, you encounter different people that are in all walks of life. And we met this guy who was riding a motorcycle, and he was very, very drunk. And uh, he was kind of driving all over the place with the motorcycle. And basically, he was he was trying to ride to his death. It was an attempt at suicide. And we, we stopped him. He got off the motorcycle. We were talking to him and just pleading with him for his life. And and this was his question for us. The night before, I guess it was two nights before, he had, um, you know, been in just a really low place and had— chosen to to try to attempt suicide and you know wanted to hang himself using a rope and as he tried to do that he fell and something cut the rope and so he came to us and this was his question who cut the rope I said this in the last service, but this was like evangelism t-ball, okay? Who cut the rope, you know? So, so we, we, we were able to kind of, you know, tell him about Jesus, but his heart was so hard. It was so interesting. He just wasn't responding. Even though it's a weird encounter, and, you know, we're, we're trying to, you know, let him know, but he's just so low. And then all of a sudden, God spoke a word to us about something that had happened in his life spoke it to our hearts like a word of knowledge and we just began to pray that over him and just something shifted and all of this activity started to break out and man his heart was so healed as he encountered jesus as the one with the keys over his life and I just remember him raising his hands at the end of that outreach, and I hope my Spanish is okay, but him just saying, tengo valor, tengo valor, I have worth, I have honor. And it was, went from you know being in the lowest part of his life to this moment of encountering God and seeing his worth in the eyes of Jesus. We wanna see him as the king, amen? Remember another story a few years ago in the Middle East, I lost my luggage <laughs> and I was driving to the airport <laughs> and I started talking with the taxi driver. And so we began to speak a little bit, and and I just said, because I've heard of this happening in the Middle East, maybe you've heard of this too, of people having these dreams of Jesus, right? So I thought, well, hey, I'll I'll just see, you know, maybe this guy's had some cool dream. So I said, hey, my hobby is interpreting dreams. you have, have any you want to tell me about? And so he says, yes, I do. I just had this dream. And so he told me this dream of being in a restaurant and then leaving, going to a grocery store and then wanting to make this sandwich. And he was at the grocery store and he turned around at the grocery store and there was Jesus sitting on a bag of beans. And then he fell and worshiped Jesus. He saw him as the king. (laughs) What will you do when you see God? (laughs) I hope that you'll bow down and worship him as the king. Hear, turn, and see. In the hearing, the voice of God, John and we today, we need to experience Jesus as prophet. We need his direction, his encouragement, his trumpet call in our lives. In the turning back to Jesus, Jesus receives John and will receive us today as priest. Maybe you're in a similar position to John. You feel alone, you feel like you're in a cave on an island. By yourself this would be the perfect morning to turn back to Jesus as priest and have him heal you in this season and like John we all want to and we all will one day see Jesus as king amen yeah I have a quick video that I just want to end with and I hope it stirs your hearts for who Jesus is I hope it stirs you to worship I, I've read this passage a lot it's one of my favorite passages of the scripture and I've always pictured it like this John alone by himself and then experiencing Jesus and being transformed. Let's watch now as we see John on Patmos meeting Jesus. But in the light, there was darkness. Persecuted for our preaching, all of the disciples died for our cause. Except one. I must live out my days in exile, alone. One day, I hope to see my friends again, for they are with our Lord. The people today, they called you king, They think you are the messiah. Who do you think I am? You are the son of God. What if he's not the one? We're risking our lives. For what? He has shown us his power. We must have faith in him. Don't be afraid. Trust in God. Trust in me also. you know the way to where I'm going? We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? I am the way. The truth. And the life. I am the Alpha. And the Omega. The first. And the last. The beginning, and the end. (laughs) My lord, I had been expecting death to come. (laughs) There will be no more death. Or mourning. Or crying. Or pain. I am making everything new. Yes. I am coming soon. (laughs) May the grace of the Lord be with all God's people. (laughs) Amen. Awesome. Just want to close with this. Why don't you close your eyes? I just want to read this passage over you one more time. Just the emotional journey of John there is so powerful, being alone, being desperate, and Jesus appearing to him. I want to read this over you, this description of Jesus one more time, and just believe that he'll fill your heart with with fresh grace today. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. In the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me and saying, fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. Jesus, we worship you this morning. God, we thank you for revealing yourself to us as prophet. God, that your trumpet, your clear voice, God, I pray that it would be just made known to every person in this church that needs to hear it. Maybe, God, they just need it for today, or maybe after a long period of silence, God, but we just invite you to come speak and release your voice even in these moments. Jesus, we come to you as priest this morning. God, we turn our hearts to you. We wanna be fascinated with you, not with the world or even with world events or our culture or entertainment. We wanna be fascinated with you, God, and we turn our hearts to you. And Jesus, we wanna be a people that see you as king. See you as king over our lives. See you as king over this city. See you as king over the nations of the earth. God, we wanna see you in these days as king rightfully lifted up, just as your name is lifted up over this auditorium, that your name would be lifted high over our city and over our lives. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and stand up.